We will start in verse 19 of Matthew 6 and read to the end of the chapter. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Would you pray with me as we begin this morning? Father, we come this morning with the word open before us. Father, I ask this morning that there would be within the hearts of those gathered here today a desire, a hungering, a thirsting to know you to know what your word says for the purpose of then being able to live that out in the midst of a dark, perverse generation, for the purpose of shining like stars, being the light that you've called us to be in Christ Jesus. May we never forget and may we be reminded this morning that you have called us your children. Remind us of the responsibilities of being one of your children. Oh, what a privilege it is to be called a child of God. 
May we take this word this morning and may your Holy Spirit apply these truths to our hearts this morning, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me. You would speak your words. Father, may we long and desire thirst for these words of yours. May our time here before your word, Lord, be instructive for us. Oh, Father, we see in your word it is profitable for us. May we be reminded of that this morning. And may we walk in these ways in the days ahead, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to, at the outset, draw our attention to where we left off last week. Some of you may not have been here last week. We were in 19 through 24 of Matthew 6. We are making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a joy. It's been a delight to be able to work through this particular passage of Scripture. One of the questions that was brought forward last week, in fact, it tied into verse 24. Kevin asked the question, who is your master? He alluded to even perhaps what is your master, but then talked about how it ought to be who. Speaking of Jesus, I believe it's a a good question to put forward right here at the beginning of the text. To have us consider and, and, and even read verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Riches. Therefore. You see the connecting point? There's there's a word here that's connecting what's just been spoken with what's about to be spoken. Okay? Let's let's not see these uh, texts in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as as blocks. Some of us sometimes get, get snared and trapped by what man has inserted in your Bible. The headings. You probably have little subtitles, don't you? In your Bible? Like... You've got a couple of them, maybe. I know in mine, it's starting in verse 19. Lay up treasures in heaven. And then 22, it has the lamp of the body. And verse 24 says, you cannot serve God in riches. And then verse 25 says, do not worry. Does your Bible say something to that effect? Those have been inserted by man to be helpful, I believe. But nevertheless, inserted by man. Sometimes those can trip you up, just like the chapter headings can trip you up. You get done with the chapter, and all of a sudden, and you start to read the next chapter as though there's like a wall from what you just read, and now we're going to do something different now. I want to encourage you to not think that way as you read the Word, but to see it together, to see it fitting together, because it does fit together. Therefore, I say to you, 
In light of what he's just spoken, no one can serve two masters. Earlier in verse 21, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore. So you see, do not worry. It comes right after. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. I believe some of this will start to come into focus as we go through the text. But notice also, in addition to the therefore, by the way, verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, those are like little links in the chain. Piecing this all together. Therefore, therefore, therefore. Okay? So I want you to note that in those verses, 25, 31, 34. Notice what comes right after therefore. Therefore I say to you. Now sometimes we, we read the text and we're seeing here in the text Jesus is the one speaking. But I wanted us just to, at the outset of this, to consider what Jesus is saying. Therefore, in light of what I've just spoken, I say to you. The one who is speaking to us this morning... Is Jesus. I want to just stir that up as a reminder for you. Jesus is speaking. So when Jesus speaks, I'm going to try and be helpful. When Jesus speaks, we ought to be listening. We ought to be listening. There ought to be a desire to hear what Jesus has to say. Therefore, I say to you. What's he going to say? Well, right here in verse 25, he's going to give us an imperative. Grammatically speaking, that is a command. And it's twofold. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body. What you will put on. We could probably preach a whole message right here in verse 25. We're not going to, but we could. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not worry about your life. That's the first imperative. Do not worry about your body. If left alone, the, the sentences would be a bit odd coming out of Jesus' mouth. You see, the question to ask is, in what manner are you not to worry about your life? And he gives us the answer. With what you eat and what you drink. Have you ever worried, or some of your translations have, I believe King James's take no thought of. Or maybe you have NIV and it's do not be anxious. Okay? Have you ever worried or taken thought of what you were going to eat or drink on a given day? Anybody? That in and of itself may not be a bad thing. But has the thought of having food consumed your thinking? 
has the thought of having just the right kind of food consumed your thinking? Are you living your days constantly thinking about what you're going to eat? What am I going to have for dinner tonight? You know, there are some folks who wake up in the morning and are, and are just trying, you know, that's, that's on their mind. What am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? I don't believe here Jesus is advocating a, a lack of planning or prudence when it comes to meal preparation, right? I, I, that's, I don't believe that's where he's going with, with things he's talking about. But I do believe he's calling our attention to examine what consumes our thoughts. Are you allowing food and drink to consume your thoughts? Has food or, or the right kind of food, has it served as another master for you? Remember, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus is saying, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. And he's going to keep filling in the blanks here as he goes to give you an understanding of why it is so that you're not to worry about these things. Worry is a, is a key word in this text. If you look through the text in its various forms, it's mentioned five times, I believe. Worry, meramnao is the verb. Worry. Well, in what manner are you not to worry about your body? text says what you will put on, what you will wear, the clothing. And you know, clothing, think about it for just a moment, not worrying about your body. Clothing is that which you put on the body. You know, ever since that day back in the garden, man has discovered his need to be clothed. Remember that? Back in the garden? Praise God. He saw fit to provide appropriate clothing for the first man and the woman in the garden. Remember how it began. They tried to clothe themselves. Remember those fig leaves? They tried to sew together. And then in Genesis 3.21, the Bible says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. It's a wonderful picture, church. Foreshadowing the time when God would cover us. When God would clothe us with his perfect righteousness. Through the shed blood of his only begotten son. The perfect spotless lamb of God, Jesus. You see, it's important for us to understand in thinking about being clothed spiritually. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus that you're covered completely. You're sitting here today and, and you want to know some good news. This is some good news. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus that you can be clothed. What we're going to be talking about in just a moment in terms of clothing pales in comparison to this kind of clothing, church. To be clothed in his righteousness. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. Right? The hymn writer says. Great picture to consider in the text. As you consider what Jesus is saying here. About clothing. About what to put on. He says do not worry. 
about your body, what you will put on. Let me ask this. You see, this is, this is an important issue in the culture that we live in, is it not? Clothing. How much time is given to finding just the right pair of shoes? Let me ask maybe a more pointed question this morning. You all made it here. You're occupying a chair. What went into your selection of what you were going to wear this morning? As Caleb mentioned, and and thank you for those words, Caleb, up front, the preparation aspect. How many of you prepared ahead of time what you were going to wear this morning? Or is Sunday morning, is that a time when you, 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 you stand before the closet? And you're, does this match? Does this, what do you think? you think this looks all right? What, are these shoes all right? And we're laughing. But I'm putting the question forward because I do believe it has something to do from an application standpoint here for us to consider in terms of is this consuming our thoughts? Not just on Sunday morning, but when you wake up tomorrow morning and when you go to work, men. Are you thinking about what? Is that, is that driving? Is that a thought? Ladies, is it a thought? Ladies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this one just a touch. Because I believe in this culture we live in, this is such a big deal. What you wear, having the right kind of clothes, making sure it's got the right designer label on it. Can I just encourage you ladies this morning? The designer label that you wear That's not all that important. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, it's not important at all. What we're going to see this morning in terms of what we're seeking, the key verb here as we come a few verses later is the word seek. And I want to ask, not just ladies, but the men, I want to ask us together as a church, what are we seeking? What are we pursuing? What's consuming our mind. A few verses prior to this, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. Jesus is speaking today, and he's speaking in conjunction with last week, about our heart, about our mind. What's consuming our heart and our mind in this world that we live in? What you wear. I'm going to ask a motive question. Are, are you trying to or have you in the past? Perhaps you didn't do it today, but perhaps you have done it. Have you ever tried to impress anyone with what you wear? Have you ever been intentional about what you put on? You're doing so to try and impress somebody. I don't, it's been a long while since I've been to a mall. 
I have no idea, really. I can't even speak to what's... I have no desire to go walking through a mall, personally. But, but we see these stores and every, all these things. They're, they're loaded today. Clothing. People are consumed, are they not, with clothing. Your clothing can make a statement. It seems that clothing speaks a language to other people without even saying a word. Look at what Jesus says at the end of verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Two questions to consider in light of his imperatives. His do not worry about your life, do not worry about your body. Two questions. Is not life more than, there's a comparative aspect here. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Think about those questions for just a moment. You see, Jesus, with these questions, is placing priority. He's placing value on what? is truly important. He's calling to attention the bigger picture on the purpose of life. What is your life? Doesn't James say that your life is but a mist? You are here for a while and you are gone. So what are you going to do with your life? Some of you Perhaps that's a question you need to come to grips with this morning. What are you going to do with your life? What have you done up to this point with your life? Asking of God, what in the time that you have for me remaining, which I don't know how many days, only you have ordained those days for me, but in whatever Gap, whatever distance there is here in this time I have left here. Lord, what do you have for me? What is this life that you've given to me? What, what do you have for me? Isn't this a stewardship question? How are you stewarding this life that God has given to you? You see, he's also, in asking these two questions at the end of verse 25, the second one, he's sounding an alarm, I believe, to the big picture purpose of the body given to you. Here's another stewardship question. How are you stewarding the body for God's purposes? This body, what, why are you taking up space here on earth? It ties into the purpose for your life, but your body, Soma. Your physical body. What are you doing with your body? What's consuming your thoughts about your body in terms of what you put on? Jesus is giving the example of your clothing. Jesus is also going to move into giving us some some illustrations. Jesus does a wonderful job. He's a master at this. If we read the Gospels, you can't miss it. Because he talks to us all the time, does he not? Through parables. 
He's going to give some illustrations to make his point. Not that his point doesn't stand sufficient on its own, but he's going to give some understanding. Remember, there are people gathered around listening to what Jesus is saying. And I get the impression as I go into verse 26, as Jesus is speaking to the people, look at the birds of the air. There are birds around. People are able to observe and see the birds. How many of you are bird watchers? Anybody here like to watch birds? If you watch birds, they are interesting creatures, aren't they? And how they go about, you know, if, if, if there's nests and what have you outside in one of your trees. And, and you see how they go and collect things to build their nest and make their nest and, and get food for their little ones and drop it in their mouth. And little, wonderful pictures of how these birds provide. But what we're talking about right here, how do the birds provide for their young? We're going to see that there is a God who's overseeing and watching over even the birds and providing for the birds. And by using this as an illustration, Jesus is driving home a point. It's not just a wonderful little illustration about birds. Aren't these wonderful birds? No. There's a point he's making with the birds. Okay? So let's look at the text. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Sowing and reaping, those are things that, that we do. I mean, Galatians talks about that, right? It's sowing and reaping principle. Well, these birds, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They're not storing away things. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Feeds them. Remember, we've just talked about in verse 25, eating and drinking. Don't worry about your life, what you eat and drink. Here he's given an illustration of birds. And they don't sow, they don't reap, they're not gathering in the barns. And Jesus says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Interesting, isn't it? Then look at the question that comes. Are you not of more value? Here's another comparative, okay? More of more. Are you not of more value than they, than the birds? God's taking care of those birds. He's providing for those birds. To find ways to feed themselves. Are you not much more value than they? What does God think about you? If God's providing for those birds in that way. Don't you think. He can provide for you. Are you not of much more value than those birds. Look at 27. Another question. Which of you, by worrying... I love the way Jesus teaches. Jesus is not just content with just putting forward some facts. Jesus is asking pointed, penetrating questions. You see, Jesus is not 
content merely just asking or, or throwing out some big idea things and, and saying, okay, just learn this. Jesus is getting down right into their lap, driving right into their heart, right into their mind, and asking them questions that ultimately are going to transform them. You see, this word's profitable, church. This word, according to what I read in 2 Timothy, is helpful for making us what? Wise unto salvation. So right here, which of you by worrying, there's that word again, worrying. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit? One cubit. In your footnote there, you might see cubit 18 inches. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature, to his height? Can worrying bring that about? You see, Jesus is asking questions that the audience would know the answer to the question. As a student, I always, always kind of liked it when the teacher did a rhetorical because I didn't have to come up with the answer. He was asking it in such a way to bring everybody along. Let's understand this together. Which of you by worrying? He's already said, don't worry, right? Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your body. Now he's saying, he's, he's continuing. He's given the illustration with the birds in terms of how the father feeds them. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Is there anybody that by worrying can add 18 inches, let's just say, to their height? Anybody here can do that by worrying? I think we all know the answer to the question. So, verse 27, excuse me, 28. Why do you worry, there's the word again, about clothing? Why do you worry about clothing? He's talked about food and how birds are fed. Now he's asking a question about clothing. What you will put on, verse 25. Here's illustration number two. The lilies of the field. He's talked about the birds of the air. Consider the lilies. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. That's a key phrase. How they grow. He's just asked a question in verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add growth to yourself? You can't do it. And so he says, let, let me give you a picture. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Let's look for just a moment, he says, how they grow. Look what he says. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, we all know about Solomon, wisest, wealthy, had everything. Not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed or dressed or clothed like one of these. The lilies of the field. We see a picture of God providing once again. The Father providing for the lilies of the field. And so verse 30, we see the question. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. The grass of the field, by the way, the, the whole idea there, temporary versus eternal. Temporary. It's, it's, it's fading. It's not lasting. Today is, tomorrow's thrown into the oven. If, if God is concerned and takes care of the grass of the field in that manner, here's the question. Will he not much more, much more, much more, see the, the value, the comparative again? Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Oh, oh, you of little faith. I kind of got stuck on that phrase this week. See, because I believe in a, as Jesus is speaking and in using this, do not worry, do not worry. He brings up worrying. Which of you by worrying? Do not worry. I believe that on the other side of do not worry, there is a call in the text to live by faith. Do you trust God? Do you depend upon God for all things? Or do you just simply go to God when you can't get it figured out in your own strength? Is God someone you can turn to when you just can't figure it out on your own? Or do you turn to God first? Do you, as we'll see in verse 33, do you seek him first in his kingdom? See, I, I believe worry or faith. Worry or faith. Are we going to worry? Is Jesus not painting pictures for us by talking about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field? And showing us how he provides, how he takes care of even a bird and grass of the field. And then comparatively, he's saying, are you of not more, much more value? Will he not also much more take care of you and clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Verse 31, this is the second, therefore, therefore. It's kind of a, he's kind of summarizing here now after looking at 25 through, through 30. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Why? Why should we not be saying those things? You know, I believe right here in verses 31, 32, and 33, there's a question. The question for us to consider as we read 31, 32, 33. Are you operating by faith or by the standards of this world? Because you see, right after 31... 
He says, do not worry saying these things, which he's already talking about here in 25 through 30. Verse 32 is going to give us two connects with why we're not to worry and why we're not to say these things. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? First of all, verse 32 gives us the reason. I'm not making these points up. They're right here in the text. They're in the text. It's important we understand that the, that the answer to the question is in the text. First answer. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Why are you not to worry about these things that he's spoken of? First of all, Gentiles seek after these things. Seek them out. They're pursuing them. This is what they go after. Key word there is seek. Because he's going to come right around here in the next verse and talk about what we are to seek. There's something very important that we're to be seeking. First. And we'll find that when we seek this other first, we're going to find that these things that once maybe perhaps were so important to us, there's a wonderful, wonderful word here in verse 33 that these things are going to be added. You don't have to, you don't have to pursue them. You don't have to go after them like the Gentiles go after them. Because you see, this first one, the Gentiles seek after them. There's a second one that's important to bring out as well. Look at the text. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Isn't it good to know that your Heavenly Father knows what you need? He knows what you need. We just go down the rows. He knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. Mike, you're sitting there right now, and he knows what you need. Isn't that good news? Patty, he knows what you need. Isn't that good news? That's good news. That's what I see in the text. Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now there are some things, let's be real honest, there are some things in our lives that we think we need. Right? God, I need this. God perhaps is reminding you, speaking to you through his word. No. You don't need this. And you see, because his ways are higher than yours and his thoughts are higher than yours, sometimes we don't grasp, right? We don't, we don't fully get that. We don't fully understand that. But what we see in the text, what we see right here in the text, is that our heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. What are these things? Well, in the context, food, clothing, right? Drink. We need water. We need food. We need to be clothed. He knows we need those things. So in light of the fact that he knows we need these things, how then are we to live? Again, in the context of a world that places high value on these things. We didn't talk about it, but just in terms of eating. And I think for the most part, this group that I'm speaking to right now is, is very conscious about what they eat. Praise the Lord, that's a good thing. 
Okay? Don't let it go to an extreme, but praise the Lord. We're considering about what we're eating. Because, see, the culture we live in is very much an obese culture. I mean, I'm just putting it forward. It is. Why? Well, there are several factors probably, but one of them has to do with the fact we consume all kinds of food. And the sad part is we just like it. We just want to supersize everything. So, why? Verse 31. He says, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Why are we not to worry? Two reasons given in verse 32. After all these things, first of all, the Gentiles seek. Second, your heavenly father knows you need all these things. Verse 33. But, but, grammatically speaking, what's but? What is it? Okay, it's, it's, it's piecing, it's connecting, yes, but it, it does, oftentimes, it, it serves the purpose of a contrast, doesn't it? But, because we just talked about in verse 32, the very thing the Gentiles are seeking. But, now Jesus is going to say, for my children, for my followers, this is going to be different. You see, you're going to follow and seek after something different. And here's the charge, here's the imperative, seek First, here's what he's saying. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, I was reminded of flipping back to the beginning of the sermon in Matthew 5. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. For they shall be what? Filled. You want to get filled up on something? How about hungering and thirst, thirsting for his righteousness? The promise there, the reward there is that you will be filled. You remember when Jesus in John chapter 4 is ministering to that woman at the well? Remember that text? And his disciples are concerned about him because Jesus hasn't, yeah, he hadn't eaten in a long time. And, and, and praise the Lord, they're thinking about Jesus and providing for Jesus and his food and well-being. And they come back, you know, they found some food and they, we've got your food. And Jesus says what? You remember what he says? I've got my food, essentially. My food is to do what? To do the will of the Father. That's my nourishment. That's my hungering. That's my thirsting is to do his will. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus arrives on the scene early on in the gospel, you might remember in John chapter 3, John the Baptist there says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus himself says the kingdom of heaven. John in, in, in Matthew four seventeen, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. It's so important that we're seeking things of God. Uh, a little bit later in Matthew's, go- Matthew's gospel, we see this come out with Peter. And Jesus rebukes him, right? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you have in mind not the things of God, 
but the things of men, things of the world. Jesus has just been speaking to them about how he's going to go to the cross, how he's going to die, how he's going to be handed over. But on the third day, he is going to be raised. Peter comes alongside just after giving the right answer, by the way, in the text. Same Matthew 16 passage. When, Jesus, when, when Peter says, you are the Christ, Jesus says, who am I? And he gets the right answer. But Jesus even tells him that that answer didn't come of your own. That was given to you, Peter. And Peter turns right around. And we see a wonderful moment in the life of Peter followed by a foot-in-the-mouth moment in the life of Peter. But we see, even in that text, we see the importance of the things of God, the things God sees and holds up as important, things God views as significant. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Church, what does that mean for you? How does that, what I mean by that is, how does that get lived out in your life? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because you see, I think sometimes we go through our day. The kingdom of God and his righteousness is not something perhaps that we think of. Not something perhaps we consider as we go to the office may not be something we consider as we're preparing a meal on the day, doing laundry on the day, doing our schoolwork on the day. How can I give God glory? How can I seek first His kingdom? What am I doing with my life? How am I stewarding this life God's given to me? How am I stewarding this body God's given to me? See, these questions tie. They're connected one to another. Seek first his kingdom. You see, if we're doing that, church, some of these other things are not going to be cause and concern for worry. Right now, some of you are worried about many things. You've come in here this morning. And you're worried about A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Maybe the list goes longer. I want to encourage you this morning from the word. Jesus says not to worry. Do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your body. And in fact, he's going to conclude right here in verse 34. Another therefore. In light of what he said in verse 33. In light of what we're not to do. And why we're not to do it in verse 32. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. About tomorrow. Any of you in here ever fallen into that one? Of worrying about something tomorrow? Worrying about something next week? Worrying about something next year? Worrying about something 10, 20 years down the line. You see, it's because of who God is. This all, I believe, I believe in many ways, this all funnels back to our view of God. Who is God? Who is God? Does God not watch over and provide and care and take 
care to watch you. See, he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the lilies. And I believe those questions on the heels of those illustrations are pointing us to this great God that we serve. So it comes down really to, to asking the question, what, what have I been thinking about this God whom I serve? Do I truly believe what he says here? I think that's one of the questions coming out. Do not worry, in verse 34, as we conclude here, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? <clears throat> What's the text say? For tomorrow will worry, there's, there's, there's words again, worry will worry about its own things. Uh, this is a wonderful little maxim or, or, or way to end what he has to say here. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many of you can testify? How many of you can testify that every day has its trouble, right? Amen? Every day, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So why? Why do we need to worry about what's going to be going on the next day? <clears throat> the day that we're in has got enough issue of its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But I do believe that there is an aspect here of faith, walking by, living, exercising our faith in Christ. Faith has an object. Amen? Christ. Faith in Christ and who he is and what his word has said. So it comes down to, as we get to the end of this text, asking the question, questions. Am I, am I a candidate of worry? <laughs> have, I been, have I been wading around in the pool of worry? Have I been consuming my, my thoughts in things that, according to what Jesus is saying here in the text, I ought not be consuming my thoughts in? Have I been seeking anything other than the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And remember that righteousness that's of your own. Remember what the Bible says? It's a filthy rags. That's the description of righteousness on your own. Righteousness carried out in your own strength. Do not worry. Eating, drinking, what you wear, the Gentiles seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You know, there's a song. Many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand. Perhaps that's a good thing. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand. I love those words. It's a reminder to me of this great God, Heavenly Father, that we serve. That he provides watch care over all things. But I believe the text is also pointing out to you and to me, the listener, the reader of this text. Are you not of much more value than these birds? How much more will he clothe you Oh, you of little faith. He is going to take care of you. The question this morning, do you believe what his word says? Do you believe in this God 
of the scriptures. Not the God of your own making, but the God of the scriptures. Because as I read the text this morning, I see a great and mighty and truly awesome in the sense of the word itself. Not in the way the world uses the word. Awesome God. Who when I'm asleep is awake. Who when I'm walking throughout the day, he's taking care of me. He's providing for me. And let's be clear, his provision for me, his provision for you, does not, does not mean that everything's going to be spent on the mountaintop. Let's be real clear about that. I love the psalmist. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. This God we serve, church, is with us. In fact, early on, it was God with us, Emmanuel, who came down here to earth. And after he spent some 33 years here living, he died on a cross for you and for me. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he lived and he died. He went to the cross and things looked really bad for a period of time. But three days later, he was raised from the dead, praise the Lord. Death could not hold him. It wasn't very many days later when the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, arrived. And on Acts 2, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, arrived on the scene. And now the promised Holy Spirit, for those who are in Christ Jesus, dwells within you forever. And he gives and provides for you everything you need for godliness and for life. He's provided that for you. And he's called us in the scripture to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit from this day forward on. And guess what, church? Here's the exciting thing about the body life, about church. We get to and we're called to do this together. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we say we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step, walk in line together with the Spirit. Do you believe God? Do you believe who He is? Are you going to walk by faith and not by sight? Are you going to trust and value and seek his kingdom above and beyond the things here in this world? Are you going to let go of those things that perhaps have been on your mind, those things have been weighing on your heart? Perhaps you've got the wheelbarrow, the illustration you've heard, the wheelbarrow of stones, and you've been carrying that wheelbarrow of stones for quite some time now. It's time this morning, in light of what his word says, to unload the stones the Lord didn't put in there. He didn't put them in there, take them out of there, because you see, his burden's light, church. His yoke's easy. And he says, come unto me, and I will give you what? Rest. That's the great God we serve. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your word. Pray, Father, that today you would, you would stir, stir in us these words of yours. Help us, Lord, to consider how we might walk by faith and not by sight. Some of us here today, perhaps, we've been living and operating by sight, by sight. Everything has been by sight. We've lacked faith. 
Perhaps the description is not you have little faith. Perhaps it's we've not had any faith. Oh, Lord, where that be true today, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us. I pray, Father, that in walking by faith, connected with walking by faith each day of our lives, the connect point is understanding and recognizing the magnitude of who you are, the character, the nature of who you are. Father, it always seems to go back to you and who you are. May we, as your children this morning, be renewed and refreshed of who you are and be able to see this wonderful picture in your word of who you are, that in light of who you are, we might know that we can walk this way. We might know that we can trust you for what you say in your word. We might know that as we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that all these other things that are spoken of in the text are going to be added to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that word of encouragement, that word of hope. And may we as a church family see these words in the text. And may we desire to walk not only as households and units together in Christ, but may we see these words as opportunities to link together as we should in the body of Christ and to walk and to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this word this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.